The title of the lesson is, You Are a People of God or You Are Not a People of God. People of God or not a people of God. Look in 1 Peter chapter 2 uh, in verse 9. Or actually pick it up in verse 7. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people of God, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So here we see the word of God, the Bible, Peter, carried along by the Spirit, makes it very clear to people who decided to answer the call of God and really understand why he came down as a human being and died, to become a people of God. But he says all of us at one time were not peoples of God because he says to the people who made the decision that in verse 10 he says, once you were not a people of God, but now you are the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. And once again, free will choice. God, unconditional love can sometimes confuse people because you can't force people to do good. You can't force people to behave. They must want to behave. They must decide that what God wants is what they want. And God is love. And if you look up above where it starts off, it says, now those who believe, choice. Are you going to believe that the answers to your pain and confusion and timetable, God may not answer them exactly the way you want them answered, but he's got the peace that transcends all understanding that will come to you and guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. It says to those who don't believe, well, you rejected it. You have a choice. And it's causing you to stumble. It's a stone because you don't want to believe and submit and surrender and trust the loving God that his plan and his way to deliver salvation through Christ, it, it may not be your way of thinking. But he says, if you don't go along with it, you're going to be stumbling the rest of your life and there's going to be a rock that makes you fall. They stumble because why? They disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So today we're talking about you know, in all the ways that you could categorize people, and there are many ways that people do it, and I don't really think it's the way we should, but you can look at off up front. You can call people, uh, uh, there, there's the elderly community, there's the adolescents, there's the, uh, the, the young adults, there's the middle-aged adults, and pretty much everybody knows what we're thinking about, right? If you say there's the the preteens, we know what category most of those people fall in that's like 7 to 10 years old. Then we have the, 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 or the 10 to 13, the preteens. Then we have the teenagers, 13 to around, you know, legally about 
uh, 20, but 18, they're considered an adult. Then we have the young people, which you hear the leaders on the news and uh, the, the, our, our world leaders and our leaders, and, and, and they call us young people. Well, they don't call me that anymore, but I will say you young people. Young people can make a difference. Young people are ide idealistic. Young people want to change the world. And see, Jesus came down to do that. So guess what? Jesus is what you're looking for because Jesus wasn't just idealistic. He had a dream and a vision and he's laid it out and it's still happening for those of us who want to trust him. But for those of us who don't want to trust him and get caught up in looking at the challenges before us and the terrible things that happen and the emotions that have really charged this whole nation from that terrible video of George Floyd being suffocated for eight to nine minutes while a policeman, a white policeman had his knee on his neck and the other policeman stood there and did nothing. That absolutely will get a reaction out of all of us. But after we react with anger, and we should be anger, angry at any injustice, you should be indignant when you see someone anytime being treated wrong. And you should be indignant if something doesn't seem to be changing. But you got to ask yourself, what kind of solution will I be? And we see here that you can become part of the problem or part of the solution. The Bible says, don't be overcome by evil, but be, let good continue to carry the way. And that's what Jesus did. Look in verse 21 of 1 Peter 2. Uh, in verse 21, we talk about Jesus. Now, Jesus was definitely uh, uh, mistreated, unfairly, unjustly, and abused. And it says, to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So here is Jesus as a human being, completely innocent, didn't do one thing wrong. He was lied about, he was persecuted, and then even the government officials of that time trumped up the charges and manhandled him. And talk about being beaten and whipped and hurt and he didn't do anything. But it says when they hurled the insults, he did nothing. He did not retaliate. Doesn't mean he didn't speak out, but he did not retaliate. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live uh, for righteousness, by his wounds you've been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. So I want us to, to look at today about Jesus. I want us to fix our eyes on Jesus, not on all the things that are happen, happening where it allows you to change your perspective and get emotionally distracted in a bad way where it starts to uh, wear you down, where you start to lose hope and think negatively. That is not God's plan for you. Okay, so let's look at Jesus today and realize I can't control anybody else, but I can control myself and decide what I'm going to do. 
Do you trust God and entrust yourself to God who judges justly? Well, you may say it's not happening now. When things happen wrong or terrible or even right now in this country, it's divided in many ways because they are sick of it. And people said justice should have happened 100 years ago. Well, you know what? You're right. Slavery never should have happened. Any bad atrocity, pedophiles should never be allowed to happen. Uh, uh, child abuse, spousal abuse, murder, theft, none of that should be happening. And it is a true, true scar and continual problem with people. But we got to ask, who are these people? Well, we might on the onset say it's white people, it's black people or Mexican people. Or are we going to go, are they a people of God? or not a people of God, because if you're truly a people of God, you can't fool God. And you have to not worry about if they're lying or not, because God will judge them. But true people of God have a power greater themselves in them that allows them to handle and endure and walk in Jesus' footsteps, and that's real change. Real change doesn't fly up like a flash in the pan and then simmer down and then get tired and burn out. No, God says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age, and this may not happen the way you want to, but you know what? You can change your life, and you can help others change regardless of outside circumstances. Point number one, fight for the eternal change. And that doesn't mean that the temporary things that we're doing right now that you're trying to stand up for, we need to stand up for righteousness and we need to be a light. We need to help people understand when there's things that are happening wrong. The Bible even says that the good you, uh, the good you ought to do and don't do it, you're in sin. So I would say if you're a police officer and you're in a police station and you may not agree with police corruption, but you see some of it. You need to tell on them. You need to report them. You go, wait a minute. If I report them, it's going to go bad for me. I'm sorry. I don't have any answers for that one. You need to stand up and, and trust God. And that's where you understand what is the eternal change. Because there's a code of silence that's been in the culture of not only police departments, but all kinds of organizations. People allow and tolerate things that are going on wrong around them. And they may not like it, but they are afraid to speak up because it'll have possible negative consequences on them, i.e. they may get fired or they may get uh, labeled. And even in the police department, they may, the other cops may not back them up, the ones that are corrupt, and then you, when you need someone to back you up, you're gonna get killed. It still doesn't make any of it right. In your work atmosphere, in your sales, maybe your manager or, your own, or the boss allows people to cut corners and maybe allude to things that aren't really true in the sale. And you, you said, I'm not going to do that, but you watch it over and over. And then you subtly start to possibly spin it and justify it. Now you're being deceitful in some kind of a business transaction, which you used to just say that's terrible, but now you didn't step up. So now you're part of the problem too. See, any type of group you go along with Either they're going to have an impact on you or you're going to have an impact on them. And if you're with Jesus, you're going to stand up regardless of what the consequences are. And that's a people of God. Look in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. 
Point number one is fight for eternal change. And in Hebrews chapter 1, 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And without faith, in verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So see, are you believing and having confidence in what you hope for and assured of what you do not see? That is the hope that God is in control and Jesus died for your sins and the hope that God is going to not allow anything to happen to you that shouldn't. And that doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges and persecution and injustice, but how are you going to respond? That's what gets the message and that's what shows God your trust and, of course, when we die, we know our lives are short. We don't have to worry about whether we're gonna, where we're going to end up. We know we're confident in the promise of eternal life. But what happens even in these trials of these police officers? There's so many people that are saying we want justice for George Floyd. Guess what? Newsflash. I think there's not a normal, common human being for the majority, whatever color. We all saw the video. We all think it's terrible. And of course, we go, this needs to not be allowed. Now they, they arrested the one guy. People, you know, but a lot of people are going, until we get what we expect, we're not going to stop doing wrong. That is a sense of expectation. You're setting yourself up for the devil because you can't control the future and you can't control the way things should happen. And if you do that in any area of your life, you're always going to be setting yourself up for a powerful letdown. Do we all want justice done? Yes. We're built that way. God even gave us a sense of we want to stand up for the oppressed. We want to see the injustices righted. We're built to want justice. Even God says, let justice roll on like a rolling river. And that's what God does. He's at the, he is, nothing will go by. God cannot be mocked. You reap what you sow. All the people who have died showing themselves to not be a people of God, whether it be racism or slavery, those who died like that are in hell. They're being held for eternal punishment the rest of their life separated from God. Guess what? If they had another chance, they would hope they could get one. But that's done. So you can't go there or you're going to continue to be miserable for your life. Um, so in Hebrews, we hit chapter 11, so far this book has shown the superiority of Christ over the law, angels, and Moses, and the old sacrificial system. That's what Hebrew basically is breaking down again. Now we get to this chapter, and it lists the powerful examples of people throughout the biblical history who stood firm in their faith and did not turn away. That's who we want to be. Two words describe faith, confidence and assurance. These two qualities need a secure beginning and an ending point to be able to be real. Faith starts with believing in God's goodness and truth. Faith starts with believing in God's goodness and truth. That He is who He says He is. Faith accumulates with knowing God and knowing that God will do what He promises. 
when we believe that he will fulfill his promises, even though we don't see them materializing yet, we demonstrate true faith. True faith. When we have faith, regardless of the way things look like they're going and they may look like they're not going well, we hold on to the promises that God said, and we know that God never lies. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. We're going to go back to Hebrews, but look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse, excuse me, verse 1 and 2. In 2 Corinthians 6, it says, As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now. Whenever you want to know when or what you should do, it's now. Right now, you could be hearing the word of God and know I am not been doing what's right. My life is a mess. I know what I'm hearing is right, but I can do it later. No, now, now is the time. You're hearing God's favor is calling you. And if you're moved by, his, by the word of God and you know he's moving on you, don't keep putting it off. Now is the day for you to change. Now, if you're a Christian and you're losing your faith or you're in secret sins, now is the time for you to repent because Jesus died for you and he doesn't want you to do well for a while and then slip back into the pit of sin because of the negative things you see or you allowing yourself to not let people help you and you've stopped going to God because your endurance is weak and you need to get stronger and persevere. And keep going to God and deny yourself, carry your cross daily and follow Jesus, as Jesus says in Luke 9, 23. Sometimes we wonder about the fate of those who haven't heard of Christ and have never had a Bible to read. Well, God assures us that all who honestly seek him, who act in faith on the knowledge of God, that they will be able to seek God. If you seek him with all his heart, you will find him. But when you tell others about the gospel, if you know the truth, encourage them to be honest and diligent in their search for truth. This isn't a game, man. When you offer the word of God and you start studying the Bible with somebody and you're showing them the truth and explaining the plan and you're living it out yourself, you got to tell them this is a God appointment. This isn't just another casual human being situation. Why? Because I'm speaking the word of God to you correctly and I'm backing it up with my life. And I'm not perfect, but that's why grace is there. It's not for me to take advantage. It's for me to show you that I'm striving to be humble and I'm striving to, on God's grace and strength to change. So we need, to, we need to not labor in vain. It says that we're God's co-workers. Are you a co-worker? If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, a Christian, then are you a co-worker? Living to do God's will. Or you, or you consider yourself a co-sitter and a co-spectator. There's no such thing as a, as a disciple. You have now been moved so much by God's grace and, and understanding of the forgiveness that he's changed your life and your perspective and your heart that, that you now have become a people of God. You can't help but want to step up and give back, not because you have to earn it, because you've been, you, you, you've been moved so much 
and you're so grateful for what God has done and what he's promised you. Point number two, fight for the tomorrow you may never see in your lifetime. Fight for the tomorrow you may never see in your lifetime. Let's look back in um, Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 13. See, sometimes we'll, we'll step up and do something if it's just for us. That's not the way Christianity was ever meant to be. Jesus died for you and me and each person to receive and understand and, 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 and that they can have their sins forgiven and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and then walk with God and be a people of God. And to stay on earth, I've not yet seen anyone baptized and killed right after that in the water and sucked up into heaven. He leaves us here to be co-workers and grow in the Lord. And he uses, he chose to demonstrate through an imperfect, flawed people that they really are changed and they will be a light and they will love each other and they will show the world that they are his disciples as they love one another no matter what. And they deeply love each other regardless of race, nationality, or economic status. So fight for tomorrow. It's not just when you get your needs met and you're satisfied. Now you sit back and enjoy your life and live your life on, on the way you want and just like, like you show no gratitude. God calls you to live a life of faith. And God calls you to live a life to love others more than yourself as you understand the love that God is continuing to give you. In verse 13, look at these people who live that way for faith. If these people, these people are in this word of God because they were standing up, of course, for God, but they took the heat and persecution and torture for us. Because even though now they're, they're fired up, they're with God, they did it not only for themselves, but they carried the faith football forward so we could understand it's not about just me and you. It's about others. It's about the world. All these people were still living by faith when they died, yet they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Now, you think about this. These people were living by faith, and they did not receive some of the things that was promised. They died not having it done their way or having it play out the way they thought. And, but they considered themselves, uh, they, they saw them and they welcomed them from a distance. It doesn't matter, I'm right with God. If I die, it doesn't matter. I'm going to live my life the best I can the way you said to obey you help as many people along the way and walk with you and really be grateful that I have a relationship with the God of the universe. But it says that they also understood they were foreigners and strangers on this earth. They are a people of God. They are not a people of this earth. People in verse 14 who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking about the country they'd left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So here we see that, wow, God is not ashamed to be called their God. See, God wants a people that are his, a people of God. And until you start to follow Christ 
and really understand what it takes in repentance and forgiveness of sin and why baptism is so powerfully real and must happen and how you receive the Holy Spirit from the Bible's point of view, not from what people talked about you with or told you. You have to look in the Word and ask to understand it by people who are living it and been taught by other disciples. A disciple makes a disciple makes a disciple, and we don't veer. We should be teaching the same thing that Jesus taught when He walked on earth and living it. See, these people of faith died without receiving all that God had promised, but they never lost their vision of heaven, a, a better country, a heavenly one. They knew what they were going to get. They knew what they were standing up for. They knew what they were living for. They knew that their fight for tomorrow may never come on this earth, but that wasn't what it was about. They knew the life to truly come was the key. So they just surrendered what they expected in this lifetime. Imagine when this trial comes out, when these police officers, if all of them are uh, charged and tried, how are you acting? What happens if the trial is totally wrong and corrupt and they get off? Or, or how much does has to happen to make you satisfied and not be angry and critical and cynical? Because God's going to allow or cause it. He can do anything He wants. But you got to ask yourself, are you going to be happy only when things happen the way you think? Because injustice goes on sometimes in ways we don't understand. But you know what? The Bible says God cannot be mocked. You reap what you sow. So I promise you, everyone is going to stand before God by themselves when they die and have to answer for why they lived and why they did what they did. And if they don't have Christ and they don't show a change of life to fit in what a people of God live life, don't worry. Justice will be done. But it's not for you to wish it on people. It's for you to try to help people understand, first of all, am I right with God? Are you? So we see, uh, you know, many Christians become frustrated and feel defeated because their needs, wants, and expectations and demands are not immediately met when they become Christians. Their pain or their loneliness is still there. Well, guess what? God's right there too, but he's helping you understand that it's not a fairy godmother. His design is for you to continue to trust in him and help him pull things out of your heart and help you learn to endure suffering like a good soldier because suffering produces endurance. And endurance helps you be there for other people as well. So if it gets too terrible or you're feeling discouraged, your faithful perspective is negative. See, if you lose your heart, the Bible says fight the good fight. If, if somehow your life perspective and faith starts to look at it like I'm not, it's not a good fight anymore, I don't feel like it's a good fight, you're not going to fight anymore. If you don't believe in a cause that you stood up for and it doesn't become a good cause and it becomes, it, you lose direction or focus, you're going to just dissipate and stop being as zealous as you are. Are you going to be a flash in the pan? When all the news cameras go away and this isn't the big, big thing uh, that they're on and, and the trial gets buried and things go on, what are you going to do? Say, this was me during this time with your selfie and you protested, nothing against protesting, but is it just a moment in time for you and then you just go back into society and wait for something else to bubble up so you can get all enraged again? Or are you going to find the one who you can trust no matter what? 
Jesus entrusted himself to the one who could save him from death, even though he committed no sin. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. That's what will give you peace and surrender in spite of whatever's happening. Look in verse um, 38. It says, the world was not worthy of them. Hebrews eleven thirty eight. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts, mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all, all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had promised something better for us so that only together with us would, we, would they be made perfect. The Christian life involves focus and training. It requires us to give up whatever hinders or endangers our relationships with God and to run with stamina and commitment in the power of the Holy Spirit that you got what it, when you were baptized, Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized every one of you, not some of you, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it requires you to run with stamina and the commitment that the Spirit of God in you will help you overcome when you have nothing. We will stumble if we look away to worry about ourselves or look at an opposition, trials, or the suffering that we're facing. If we look away from Jesus, we will stumble. We should be running solely for Christ. Why did you become a Christian? Christ died for me. That's it. Nothing could be taken from you. You're promised eternal life. Wow. Stay focused on that. Not our own glory or success. And we must always keep that in sight. Are you with me, church? Amen. I know you are. Point number three, never stop cheering for one another. Never stop cheering for one another. Look in Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 1. Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and a perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your own blood. This is talking about the great cloud of witnesses in verse 1 that contains all the people that are described in Hebrews 11. Their faithfulness is a constant encouragement to us. And just go back to uh, 11, and I want you to look in verse 32, and you tell me if you think you have it hard. Look at these people that actually inspire us, that are now cheering us on like we're running a marathon race, and they're in the heavenly uh, stands, the heavenly arena, looking down, going, keep going, you can do it, it's worth it. Let's see what they went through on earth, and, and ask them now with God if they would say, I wouldn't have done it the same way. Let's see what it says in verse 32. And what shall I say? I, I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, 
Quench the fury of flames, escape the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. And there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so they might gain a better resurrection. Some jeers, some were jeered at, some were flogged, even chained and imprisoned. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Who has not seen mistreatment? Who has not been mistreated? And some people we see are incredibly mistreated. But we see that they were tortured for what? For standing up for standing up for righteousness, for standing up for Christ. But that means verbalizing things they see in life, not judging, but verbalizing this is wrong. You're wrong. You're lying. That's dishonest. Don't just take it where someone has brutal police brutality. Let's start calling each other who's lying. Who's lying? That hurts people. Take it all the way. Start with you. Change. Don't do anything Unless you're cleaning your own house, sweep your own house clean as you walk and step up for others. Don't be a hypocrite in any area. And when you're wrong, confess and get forgiven, but continue to make sure you police yourself as you police others in the Lord. The world wasn't worthy of them. You know, when you're tortured, that's a brutal Torture is brutal, and we've seen unfortunate things that have happened uh, in, in videotapes caught. And, but torture is like an unyielding, continual, brutalizing, painful distribution on your body and the way to make you scream in pain and tell what they want or what they want to do. Either you die or you give in. And what these people, they want them to do is, is renounce God. They wouldn't do it. Some of them said, you know what? Uh, I'm going uh, to stay. Uh, I'm going to be tortured. I'm going to refuse to be released because I'm going to gain a better resurrection. I'm not giving in. you got to kill me. This pain is temporary, and it hurts like heck, but I know God's with me. And you know what? You're freaking out that I'm taking the pain because you're going, how can a human being do that? Because I am a foreigner and a stranger, and I'm going to heaven. Guess where you're going, pal? Because right now, you're not a people of God. I hope maybe after I go, I can help you see that you need to think about me, and I forgive you already. But maybe you need to think, what am I doing? How am I living? And where am I going to end up forever if I don't change and take responsibility for the harm and the wrong and the sin I do against God and people? That's what we got to do. Um, so... As in point number three, never stop cheering for one another. We got to consider him when we're struggling. First of all, consider these people that we see in the Bible. They're cheering us on. Look at how great that is. I'm going to read verse one again of chapter 12 in Hebrews. Therefore, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that entangles and hinders us and, and, and the sin that so easily entangles. What's hindering you now? Throw off the, the, the idols. Throw off the fear. Keep giving your heart fully to God and loving people. Keep caring about the lost and giving uh, your time and your energy and, 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 and ask God for the zeal to love deeper. Keep reading your word to feed your faith, but then also know you'll be able to answer people's questions. 
of why you believe accurately from the Bible as you demonstrate the example you're living out. Let's keep giving and raising money for special missions. In the Orlando church, we know our specials coming up. All the churches around the world are continuing to plant and sustain the churches we planted. And June 28th is our deadline. Church, I really want to call you to please dig inside yourself. Do you see yourself as a stranger and alien here? Are you wanting and willing to give, or are you resentful and uncheerful? Obviously, God doesn't want either one of those people to give, but if you're a disciple, you know to get your heart right is to think of things in heaven and live for the promise and continue to never stop cheering for one another to do what's right for the eternal future for people. So it says, you know, long-distance runners. I'm not a long-distance runner, but faithfully I am because I've been doing it for 26 years, and I've had challenging times and, and, and times where I needed people to drag me, and there's been times I laid flat on my back, spiritually speaking, and, and needed help. And there's times where God showed great mercy on me. But you know what? The issue is not what I did or what happened. The issue is I got back up, got to my senses, took responsibility for sins, asked for forgiveness, or was helped through weary times or hardship, and you know what? I kept going, and it passed, and now I'm stronger for it because God does, doesn't have you get beat up for no reason. He, there's reasons for everything, and you get strengthened in your weakness. When I became weak, then I became strong. So I need us to really think about that and ask yourself, what is hindering you right now? You know, in the world today, many people right now, the whole world is hindered by focusing on this atrocity that has happened where there's people yelling out, protesting, and then there's a lot of definitely not people of God who are breaking things and stealing and, and hurting people. And there's police officers out there. Just think if you are a police officer that is trying to do what's right and really went into the academy to protect and serve. Think how you would feel putting on that uniform now when a lot of people automatically judge them and think negative or suspiciously. Are you doing it too? Not everybody's doing it. Think of that police officer that has a husband or wife at home and a family and they see their kids and everybody seeing all they see is people saying kill the police or whatever. Lots of people. That doesn't help. You got to think of others more than yourself and realize not everybody's that way. Don't allow some terrible things to just broad stroke your whole vision on people. Each one must stand before God and give an account. So think about what you're going to do before God and then think about as you think that way, who are you before people? One person at a time. Choose the friends who are also committed to the race so you can be strong and get encouragement to help those who aren't and help them understand. You know, understand what are priorities and want, what aren't. Don't do, try to do everything and get worn out. Priorities are living for God, your job, your family, your thing, but don't mix them up. You need to maybe sometimes curtail activities and, you know, how many hours are you watching TV or playing games? How, many, how much time do you spend with God? How much time do you spend reading the Bible and loving God and loving people? Or how much time do you spend self-absorbing yourself? You know, this is the key. These are unnecessary weights. We are people of faith. There's a COVID-19 virus. It's been here I don't know how many months. We still need to be wise, but people of God aren't crazy, and they don't go out and do stupid things, but you also got to rise up above the human fear and be willing to step out with wisdom and, 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 and listen to the guidelines. I went to the Millennium Wall today with my wife 
First time I've been in a mall, and we met uh, Chaz and Amy, who were just baptized last week. Wasn't that awesome? And we walked around and, and, and kept our distance, but there was people in the mall eating and, and, and conversing and buying at the restaurants and the food court. I don't know. I was like, wow, I just feel refreshed seeing people stepping back out and participating in life and not hiding. You've got to realize that I'm saying use your wisdom, but God is in control. And if you get COVID-19 and he doesn't want you to die, then you're going to get that, suffer through it, and show people that you still have faith to get better. If you're meant to die and that's the way God wants you to die, you're getting it no matter how what you try to do. That's faith. So I want us to uh, understand that God is with all of us. And I want us to go to Revelations 21. We need to be cheering each other on, just like the people that have died and stood up and really were people of God, and now they died, and that little mist of life, that's what our life is, is a mist. What? If you get to live even a full life, 70, 80, 90, wow, 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 amen. But compared to 10,000 years, 20,000 years, I mean, we're such a mist. What are you living for? Are you the tip of the iceberg and that's what you see? Or are you understanding all what's under the waters to come and forever and ever? So in, in uh, Revelations 1, 21, Revelations 21, 1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, people of God, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. No more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. See, the pain that you are enduring or you're seeing and the injustice and all this stuff, keep speaking up, but do it like Jesus would do it and share the hope you have. Step up when you, when you can prevent an atrocity or something, but do it not in violence where you just count yourself out. If you see something terrible and you get so worked up and then you do something that counteracts and is violent, you just cut yourself out from under you. It's, it's like God would have rather had you not get involved. There is no more death. We're all dying. We're all going to die, period. There's or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new, verse 5. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God Almighty, the God of creation, who formed you in your mother's womb, says, hey, write this down, for the words I'm going to tell you are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I'm going to give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children, people of God. But the cowardly, 
the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, all liars, and will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Second death means we all know we're going to die. It doesn't take faith to know you're going to die. Everybody dies the first death. Second death is where you go. Are you a people of God or are you not a people of God? And as people of God, we need to be cheering each other on so we can get through when we cry and mourn and feel that pain because God says it's going to pass. And if you stay faithful, there's a reason even if you, that he's going to help you use it to help give other people faith and hope. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about a way bigger picture and a bigger scope. But the cowardly, the ones who are afraid to walk and stand up for Jesus or stand up for anyone who needs help, the people pleasers, the unbelieving, the vile, the vile are the ones who jump in the mob and start beating people down they never even met because they're just mad. That's vile. Uh, I don't care how emotional you are. You better control yourself. You hit somebody, you break something, you steal something, you are a vile sinner. The murderers, well, we know that happens all the time. The sexual immoral, sex outside of marriage, no one's rioting over that, and everybody, the majority of the planet, sleeping around having sex. And you know what? That's what God says, the people of God. That's where you can get mad. Don't get mad at me. Either you're going to follow the God of the Bible and understand there's a bigger lesson than telling you not to do it at a certain time. It's to learn how much God loves you, and you're going to learn to see a man or a woman in a deeper way that you never understood because sex blocked it. Those who practice magic arts, people who trust in anything other than God, magic, tarot cards, witchcraft, voodoo, uh, you know, astrology, or themselves, the idolaters and all liars. Wow, one lie you don't acknowledge. I'm a liar. I was a liar. I strived. If I lie, and it's been a long time, but I remembered when I first started following Jesus, I go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how easy it was for me to lie even conveniently. There's no such thing as little white lies or little blue lies. It's all lies. If you're deceitful and you know it, you got to bring it home and get right and get right and say to the people and bring it out and say, I lied. And then go to God. You got to stand up, not just for what you think is wrong. You got to stand up and be a people of God and own it yourself and realize even on your best day, you're going to need grace, but you agree with God because you are a people of God. So you agree you need the blood of Jesus and grace, and you don't use it as an excuse anymore. So I don't know about you, but I'm super fired up after preaching the word to myself and to you guys, but I love the word of God. So ask what God's opinion is. Who are you? And don't go who I feel I am. Let the Bible reveal who you are. Study the Bible. Are you a people of God? Or are you not a people of God when you look at the way Jesus defines in Scripture what that looks like? Maybe you realize you're not. Be brave enough to stand up and now face your sin and bring it to God and understand the depth of why Jesus had to be brutally beaten and tortured on the cross for your sin. That'll help you change. Fight for the eternal change, not just the temporary. Of course we want things to change and we want justice, but we don't have any control over that. We can just do us. Point number two, fight for tomorrow that you may never see in the way you want it to come. It doesn't matter. Leave a legacy of the light. And point number three, never stop cheering for one another. You're awesome. You're great. You can do it. Help me help you get up. Let's cry together. Let's keep going.
And then we're going to come to the place of the second death where there's no more tears, no more pain, no more crying, just joy. Because our Father God is coming back with Christ. And since we are living as a people of God now, as strangers on this earth, we will rejoice now even though we have suffering because we know in the short mist of the 60 to 90, 100 years that we get to live, it's nothing compared to the forever and ever and ever with God. I hope you understand what's at stake because you have free will to choose and continue to choose to fight the good fight or study the Bible and be honest and humble and brave enough to admit who you are to God and people and change. And then walk with God. And I mean walk with God. Guys, he's right here. He's always been here. It's now. Now is the time to repent or now is the time to get right with God. Either way, keep walking in the light, and then be the light for this hurting and really sad world. And to God be the glory. Amen.